Welcome in, Scuttlebucks. This the final one of the season because, well, the season is no more. Tampa Bay eliminated at home by the Rams in exhilarating fashion. Didn't look like it was going to be that way for much of the day, but alas, it was until we saw some real shenanigans late. We'll get into that momentarily, but Tampa Bay's season is over, and now questions linger. Tom and I will try to answer some of those and talk about well, our thoughts on who should be back? Who shouldn't? And that includes the coaching staff, and that includes personnel. So we'll get to it in a moment. Good to have you along as always. Listen, if you have your eye on a new Ford truck or you want uh, perhaps out of your lease, uh, look no further than Bill Curry Ford and uh, reach out directly to GM Sean Sullivan. You can find his email there, BillCurryFord.com. Huge Bucks fans, and uh, right now Bucks fans come together, right? And they've served the community for an awfully long time. So that's what they're all about. Go by and see him. See that showroom right there, one mile north of the stadium on Dale Mabry Highway, or check them out, BillCurryFord.com. They've been great to us all year long. We appreciate uh, their sponsorship, and we appreciate uh, them investing in the Scuttle Bucks as well as we do uh, Joe Bucks Fan, JoeBucksFan.com. Appreciate them as well, and we appreciate all of you. So the pleasantries out of the way. Let's get to it, Tom, right off the bat. Uh, this was a game that I thought, Going in, you and I talked about this last week, that the Bucs would lose, and I thought the Bucs might lose by more than two scores. And for much of the day, it certainly looked like they were going to lose by maybe three, four, five scores uh, until the Rams started putting the ball on the ground. And certainly the Bucs fought and got themselves in a position to maybe do the unthinkable, which has come all the way back from 27 to 3. Um, and so in some ways, it's a bit of a gut punch to, to be in a position to steal a game that you maybe shouldn't have been in and then have it in the way that it did. Todd Bowles completely choking and having really a bad year, uh, a bad postseason, just a poor effort from Todd Bowles most of the season uh, and from this secondary. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that'll eat at you in the offseason. It's going to be tough to, to kind of swallow. On the other hand, if you're, if you're pragmatic, you really realize that this could have gotten really ugly in a hurry. Uh, without Wirfs, without Godwin, without A.B., the Bucks were a shell of themselves. Uh, they did not look like the team that we saw, say, five, six weeks earlier. And so I really thought at one point this final could be – it was trending towards, you know, 48 to 10 or something along those lines. So in a weird way, it was kind of gravy that they were even in the game late. Yeah, oh, they had no business being in that football game. And, and that's what I had to tell myself when, you know, basically I'm just staring at the ceiling after you give up a shot play to Cooper Cup. I mean, who's that? Oh, he's only the leading receiver in the entire NFL that you leave in isolation against a safety with a terrible blitz call. You know, I don't know how much differently uh, the results would have been if they played the game a little bit more conservatively on offense. Uh, the things I was pissed about yesterday, it was in the trenches. Uh, but number one, you left only five in to protect almost all day. And it reminded me of one of the first observations we had about this offense when it was year one, Leftwich <clears throat> and Winston against the Browns in the preseason. And if you recall, the Browns were bringing all kinds of exotics, like it was week 17 in the NFL season. They were really playing and going after it. The Bucks were in total preseason vanilla mode, and the quarterback is getting killed with only five in to protect. They're bringing six and seven guys. Well, the Rams don't need to bring more than just four. That D-line is excellent. And you're only leaving in the minimum amount to block all day long. No adjustment in, in that realm. Only a few times down the stretch did you see more than six guys in, maybe a chip, and then release into a route. So that pissed me off because Donovan Smith didn't even play well, and he's got no excuse not to play well. So it was bad up front there. And then once you know 
that Matt Stafford and the numbers coming in already suggested can handle the blitz. What are you doing? I mean, well, you already knew, Tom. You, I got to interrupt because you you nailed it right there. All of the numbers coming into the game told you whatever you do, do not blitz Matthew Stafford. He will kill you. As in the best in the league. Yeah. Yep. And our game plan is to blitz. Right. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Right. No, but that's, those are the two things. So in the trenches, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball because you're committing a fifth and sixth body on defense. You're, they're going to get singles looks. They've got good players. And then on offense, that you need help. You need help and protection. And they just didn't deliver it very often. And the worst thing possible happened. You weren't ready to play. It didn't look like anybody was ready to play. That's three straight scores to start the game. You know, where the, they put it where the sun don't shine for the Bucks, And then offensively, Brady looked flat. We've had those sequences this year. We've documented them here on the Scuttle Bucks, But we've had those sequences where Brady misses wide open dudes. And the worst of which, to me, was on the drive that we, we scored our first uh, on our first field goal. It was a third and four, I believe it was, or third and five. And it was a tunnel screen to Cam Brate that's going to score a touchdown if you don't miss it. It was at 150 miles per hour. And it's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. It's wide open. So instead of 10-7, it's 10-3 in that moment. And, you know, the Rams are off to the races. It's 17-3. It's to So my suggestion, which was run right at him, and we did for the first two plays, that's off the board. Now you can't do that anymore with Leonard Fournette. You have to be one-dimensional, plays right into their hands. But the crazy thing is, with all of those things said, and the feeling in the building or at home watching this game on TV, they were choking the game away. They tried to choke. We just choked more at the end. And that's what sucks. Shouldn't have been in the game in the first place, but then you choke. Just That's uh, that's a tough Sunday. Yeah, so the 44-yard the pass to Cooper Cup, we rushed six. Uh, if you look at the next-gen stats, the Bucks rushed six for the first time in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This season... Stafford is 32 of 42, 439 yards, nine touchdowns, and one interception against six-plus rushers. Uh, if you do that, he's the best in football. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, Todd Bowles, most of this year, blitzes in the face of overwhelming evidence that there is no need to blitz. We don't get home, Tom. We don't get home. No, that's the I, other. I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. Well, it, yeah, they have their backup left tackle in, and he looks like he's all world. We have our backup right tackle in, and it looks like it's in you know open for business. They put Aaron Donald out there a few times. Uh, they didn't really didn't need to scheme any games up. They could just straight pass rush and, and get get to the quarterback within just a few seconds. But that's the other part of this year is the legacy of the JPP injury is a devastating one for this defense. Probably more devastating than any other injury that we suffered this year back there. But again, I mean, there are multiple moments in this game where you go, are, were you ready to play? How about the third and 20, the busted coverage? Levante David takes a 15-yard penalty for being pissed off that somebody blew his assignment. I really didn't even blame him that much. Are you kidding me on a third and 20? And we'd been giving those up all year long, the third and long. Yep. Oftentimes we give them up because we're blitzing on third and 20. We don't need to be, but right. uh, that one was a blown coverage. It's not the first time this year, and it's not the first time this year against the Rams. Yep. Uh, Collinsworth correctly, unfortunately, pointed it out 157 times that the Bucks blow coverages against the Rams, but he's not wrong. It's just annoying after about the fifth or sixth mention. Uh, I would I would say that um, there are a lot of tough decisions to be made. Uh, I'd, I'd tell uh, Sean Murphy Bunning to have a good day, uh, along with a few others. Uh, it, there, there are some things that uh, you're, you're right, by the way. Uh, the JPP injury, I was pointing it out early on after that injury. And this gets me back to Todd Bowles yesterday, man. The choices we always go through the snap count, Tom, it makes zero 
sense. The snap count makes no sense whatsoever in this football game. I, I, I'm i going to pull it up right now again because I, I was I was flummoxed as I watched it. Uh, and then I wanted to go back after the game and thought, well, maybe maybe I'm not real certain what I'm looking at here. Maybe, maybe I'm not looking at this correctly. But if you go to the defensive snap counts, how in the world Jason Pierre-Paul is on the field uh, and 86% of this team's defensive snaps in this game uh, is beyond me. He, he was absolutely impotent from the beginning, getting stoned right from the initial stages of this game, and yet he decided, uh, I'm going to play him. I'm going to let uh, Tryon be out there for 14 snaps. But even if you don't want Tryon out there, Anthony Nelson has been the guy, and he, he sits him for most of this. It's crazy what he's doing with that. And then I think the other big one is Vita Villa was out there for 34 snaps. Uh, you just signed him to a gazillion dollar contract, and you've got no chase out there more than you do Via. I, I don't. Can we? There, there was no rhyme nor reason to what the hell was going on with Todd Bowles yesterday. That's a tragedy. Uh, that was not a resume booster, uh, to say the least. And then you have what we had at the end of that game. So, yeah, that's the uh, the thing. And even in, if you're talking about rushing the passer, you know, Vita is probably your second best pass rusher. Maybe Sue when he's when he's feeling good and he's red hot. Um, but the fact that he's not out there more to me, it, it, he's only going to command double teams and make life easier for you on the edge. We saw the difference that Vita made last year. Uh, it was this particular weekend, but it was the conference championship weekend on the calendar. Um, you know, Green Bay, how, how it changed things dramatically for this, for this defense. And I don't know, you know, it, he probably found himself stuck in Tampa. Now, if he's trying to get hired away, uh, that's a tough, that's a tough piece of film to put out there in case you had a team that, you know, puts you in the final cut. And they're going to make a decision, a 50-50 call on who their next head coach is going to be. Uh, yeah, what I saw yesterday out of Todd Bowles in a big situation tells me he's detached from reality in some circumstances. Maybe more of the Jets' Todd Bowles is there. And that's tough for us, too, because Bruce said he's going to be back next year. I don't think he'd fire Todd Bowles. So what do you do? I mean, the cap's going to go up. You're going to have a relief in the form of no Antonio Brown contract, O.J. Howard contract, JPP contract, some more. There'll be some others out there. But what do you do? You know, I think you need help at left tackle if you're not going to move Tristan there. Uh, you need another defensive end that's proven. Maybe you could work Tryon into a starter's role or Anthony Nelson, but you're going to need somebody who's more bona fide and somebody who could be like a JPP impact-wise. There's a lot of roster overhaul coming. There's a lot of choices to be made. Chris Godwin's contract has come up. you got to take a look and see how he's healing from his injury and if it's good enough to pay. So, you know, this is the thing that happens, though. When you go veteran heavy and you swing for the fences – Sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it blows up in your face. The good news is, everybody, if you forgot this morning, we won the Super Bowl last year, so this has been a hell of a run if there is monumental change this offseason in the form of Tom Brady retiring or something else. This was a rousing success. Don't forget that today. It's a huge success, and I'm not, I have no regrets about the season that was and the efforts made, uh, if you think about it, Big picture from a franchise standpoint, the Bucks have elevated their stature in this league uh, light years from where it was previous. Not that I worry about people's view of us, but in terms of what it does for you as a free agent hub and what it does for you moving forward, um, having cachet, having some legacy beyond a legacy of losing like Tampa did for uh, the better part of its existence is a big deal. And so this this certainly worked out 
beyond our wildest dreams. They won the Super Bowl. They won the division. This has been nothing but a raging success. They won a ton of football games. They hosted home playoff football games, not once but twice here this these last two weeks. It's all big. Uh, this now can be a destination. Uh, so, yes, I, I'm reminded of that. I fall back on that when I think about how disappointing uh, it was yesterday, some of the decisions that were made, some of the poor play. Uh, but, you know, no team has won back-to-back -back Super Bowl since 04. And that was Brady and the Patriots. It's it's hard to do. Uh, you really need an awful lot of injury luck. And we didn't have it this year. If anything, this team was riddled with injury throughout the year. And you saw the kind of challenges that that presented. By the way, I think the evidence is pretty overwhelming at this point, Tom. Tell me if you agree. They got an effort to re-sign Chris Godwin. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, Rashad Perryman and, and Grayson and Miller and Johnson and th those guys are what they are there you, you gotta you've got to bring back uh i think godwin yeah there's a couple of moments where you know it's like catch the damn ball there are a couple other moments where like tom they're wide open what the hell's wrong with you what are you missing them but if whatever the reason if the synergy's not there if the chemistry is not there then you need to bring back somebody who it's you have chemistry with and if this offense isn't going to change which i don't see why it would then Chris Godwin is the piece. He's the piece that makes it move. And you're right. You know, for as a free agent destination, let's say you re-sign Godwin, the cap goes up 24, 25 million, whatever it is, and you move some other money around to backload it so that you're going to pay the price three years from now. Uh, who wouldn't want to play with Tom Brady still? I mean, he threw for 5,000 yards this year. So yeah. it's not like if you're in the offseason resume after you exhale, you say, has Tom Brady lost his fastball? No, if I'm a free agent who's looking to go on a Super Bowl run, I'm pretty okay with making a choice to play down in Tampa if they can afford me. Um, it's just, you know, there, there's a lot of feelings today, but uh, we, I'd like to know if 12 is coming back. That's the number one thing, because if he is, then you just became attractive to free agents of any variety, offensive or defensive, and, and you can rebuild this thing on the fly. It's just a matter of wait and see now. Well, I think, I think Tom, he is. I, I'm, I'm almost certain of it, given, I don't know if you saw his tweet, um, but Tom Brady tweeted out something about there are no failures, only lessons to be learned. And, you know, he talked about picking themselves up and greater things to accomplish. So, uh, I, I, to, I, to me, yeah. he's, he's, no, yeah, I mean, to me, he's back. Um, that quote on the NBC broadcast, too, is pretty telling. That, that sounded like a man who's returning because he basically he's alluding to, I don't think we can win the Super Bowl this year in, in that quote. You know, so that yeah. tells, okay, well, if you can't win it this year, dot, 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 finish the sentence. I'll read you the exact quote from the TV 12 sports. I'm sure he'd want me to do that, Tom. <laughs> but uh, but, but I'll read that for you. Uh, you win or you learn. There are no failures, only lessons. When you fall, you need to pick yourself up with greater enthusiasm than when you went down. Now we look back on an incredible season. Learn our lessons and get up because even greater things are coming. Okay. I, that, that, that's, I mean, <laughs> so he's I mean, either going to own a football team or be playing next year. That's what that sounds like to me. And I don't know that he has yeah. quite enough capital. Maybe Giselle does uh, to put a deposit down on, a, on an entire football team. But, yeah, um, you know, this is a group where I thought yesterday's game was kind of justice for what we were this year. Uh, it reminds me of the 2014 uh, Florida State Seminoles team that got, you know, beat pretty badly in the Rose Bowl, a game that they never should have. But that was a team that was towing the line all year long, and you're saying, are, are, you, are you guys fully invested here? Are you guys ready to go? This Bucks team was injured, but there were moments where plenty healthy players, plenty of healthy players played flat. It looked like they didn't care. There was complacency. Well, we came out flat. That looked like what this team has looked like quite a few times this year, and we're putting our hands up and saying, where's, where's the accountability? 
Tom Brady was flat. He was inaccurate early on in the game with some open receivers. One of the earliest throws to Rob Gronkowski down the field. Misses him by a mile. I don't know what you're doing. That happens sometimes this year. So you don't always get that in the NFL where a mirror is held up to who you've been. In baseball, it happens all the time. But in football, it doesn't always. I felt like that's that's what happened yesterday. Just the thing that sucks about it is I think if you can get by, get to overtime and, and win the football game, I think you're going to beat San Francisco next week because they're as banged up as we are, if not more banged up. And that's what yeah. sucks. That's where it actually hurts. Yeah, the gift that you got from San Francisco going to Green Bay and uh, talk about disappointment, by the way. Bucks fans, I sympathize. Uh, we're all hurting today because we wanted to see this magical run continue. But can you imagine having to wear the kick to the nuts that the Packers wear every effing year? You've been gifted 30 straight years of the best quarterback play the NFL's ever seen, and you've got very little to show for it. And your MVP, if he does win it, uh, just lost at home and mustered all 54 yards passing in the second half. That will hurt your feelings. That will hurt your feelings. And then some, just sorry, a little shot in Freud on some scuttlebucks here. I'm thankful that the nation started taking my talking points about, you know, how many Super Bowls you have over a period of time. It's hard to win these things, but, I mean, come on now. If you gave us Brady's entire career in Tampa, I bet we do better than one Super Bowl in his time. And if you follow it up with Mahomes for another 15 years, I bet we do better than one Super Bowl in Mahomes' time as a quarterback. I mean, Jesus, yeah. that's what they went through. And I'm not going to cry for him. I know you won't either. I just don't want to harp on, on negativity with Aaron Rodgers too much in case he picks Tampa as a destination. Maybe <laughs> maybe the dominoes fall and he's like, hey, they empower their quarterbacks. I want to go down to Tampa. So just in case, Aaron, you know, it's a great place down here if TB12 is going to buy the Broncos or something. I guess, I guess. I, I don't have a ton of love for Aaron Rodgers. I've admired his career, but uh, yeah, that hey, seemed fitting. But you've got a bona fide number one. The challenge was issued by this guy right here, myself, about Mike Evans in the playoffs. He had a great playoff as the only weapon in the offense, as a wide receiver, that is. He had a great playoff, and he torched Jalen Ramsey yesterday. Good for you, 13. Yeah, that was big at the end there, and that, that touchdown pass, um, that is single coverage, that is one-on-one, -on -one. that is me running past you, Jalen, gets you some, and uh, you can see the stunned look on Jalen Ramsey's face. Um, it was it was a joy to watch. I also like the moment in this game, I think it was maybe the second quarter, and Mike had been pretty well silenced, and he just decided, man's game, bitch, I'm going to run into your chest. I'm bigger than you. You bully everybody. You cannot bully me. I'm going to push off, and I'm going to make a catch, and there's nothing you can do about it. And he did it three plays in a row, and I started laughing. Jalen started playing off. I was like, oh, okay. Now you finally yep. got a man who can line up with you. Exactly. He's looking for help from the officials. I'm like, oh, oh, you got him. You're up here. And he didn't look yeah. all that willing to tackle Mike Evans, angry Mike Evans, did he? Uh, no. So that's this is that reminded me, that sequence uh, years ago against Seattle with prime of his career, Richard Sherman. You remember the ownership of Richard Sherman on a late afternoon uh, kickoff? I think it was back in 2016. That was when I realized, oh, he's not just somebody who can get off the line of scrimmage and, and beat somebody down the field. This is a physical player. He also yeah. did it against the Rams last year on Monday Night Football. He got pissed off about a drop, caught it, and then he ran over dudes all the way into the end zone from like the 25-yard line in on a couple of plays. This is good. He had a really good year. Stock is rising. We were speculating midseason. You want to be early on cutting Mike Evans, not late. He looks like he's got plenty left in the tank, and that Hall of Fame resume is only getting stronger. Yeah, he's 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 motivated. It's good to see. I, I like it. It's uh, it makes me happy for Mike. Um, 
still, you know, I'm always going to be nitpicky, but boy, some of the drops that yeah. one that one yesterday. That right? one late, yeah. What was that? It was first or second down. That's uh, that's kind of a big play. That's kind of need you to catch the ball, yeah. my man. Yeah. But anyhow, that said, he does a lot to overcome the occasional inexplicable. I can't believe you just dropped that. The Bucks now turn their attention, of course, as all teams who lose in the playoffs do, uh, to the roster, and you've touched on it and we should too i already voted for re-signing chris godwood provided that the rehab is going the way that you want it to if in fact it has that's good news it does look like tom brady will be back that serves as you correctly noted as a lure i think to other free agents um you can you can move on obviously from several guys i took my notes uh, there's no doubt i think that you know, jpp's gone oj howard gone for without question oj howard's gone good christ they wouldn't even play him yesterday by the way Brait is shot um he was useless for us again uh i'd move on from Brait, and uh and then we've got a lot of other guys to make decisions on yeah yeah and uh, and sue is, is one player in the trenches that we got to make a choice on and, and he might make the choice for us in terms of retirement um, you know, I think he's still a good player at a reasonable price, but you don't want to be paying through the nose for Indomitian. And I forget if he's got a contract option next year, whatever the implications are, but I would think he'd be on retirement watch for sure. And that might free up some money for you as well. By the way, can we just, because I, uh, this is a podcast in which we not only talk about the franchise and the team and its history and its future and its, its reality currently, but we also relate to our fellow Bucks fans I want to note something here, and I thought it was ridiculous early in the game. It's not why Tampa Bay lost. But uh, Hockley Jr. can go to hell. And that group frequently enrages me because they think it's about them. He thinks it's about him for certain. What are we doing? This is a gladiatorial sport. This is the postseason. Legacies are on the line. Jobs are on the line. Coaches get hired and fired. Players, contracts extended or eliminated. This is win or go home, and you're going to bitch fest this with taunting fouls? Mm -hmm. And you're going to call a, a, a an unsportsmanlike penalty on the greatest player to ever walk the field in a playoff game? Sir, what are we doing here? The call on Sue's ridiculous. What, you don't think they're grown-ups? You don't think guys exchange MFs all the time between plays? What are we doing? The NFL has got to get a handle on its officials. It happened not just in our game, but if you're going to call taunting, you cannot then allow Tyreek Hill to race into the end zone throwing up deuces signs late in the game like he did last night and not call it. I thought that's what this is all about, an emphasis on calling taunting. Man, no. Get it the hell out of here. That was ridiculous yesterday in the first half. Uh, I totally agree. You know, the one on Levante David, I'm not going to blame him for because he's pissed off that he can't believe about a fundamental mistake his teammate made, and that's a that's a you know black and white call. A helmet comes off. What yeah, you, you got to call it. But it's also the, a stupid rule, but okay. The other two are absolutely ridiculous. Um, it is it is very much apparent early in his NFL officiating career that Hockley believes that he is a part of the story, much like Joe West does in in Major League Baseball. And the nepotism that went on there, it was like uh, the bag of sand and the idol in Raiders of the Lost Ark because Ed retired and then his son is debuting the next year. As th There had to have been a deal behind the scenes that, all right, if I retire, my boy comes up and, and he's not guns like me, but he's certainly going to make an impact. Ed was more fair. Ed would apologize if he was wrong. His kid, my, my solution to this is very simple because the, he's not the only official who's like this, who enjoys the FaceTime. Cleet Blakeman's another guy who does this stuff. Take them off the camera. 
They make the call. You hear an audio replay of the call. Not they stand, and now they're doing the holding. Oh, defense number twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like yeah. the, the guy who started that was Mike Carey, but they all do that now. It's ridiculous. And yeah, that that call on Brady, he's showing him the blood. I mean, I got I got kicked out, and uh, I was six, sixth grade. I got a detention because uh, I, I needed a tissue, and this teacher was ridiculous. She goes, "You can't get up for a tissue." I was like, what? She goes. No, sit down. I said, I have a bloody nose. She goes, show me the blood. So I blew the, my nose on my hand, and I showed her the blood. And she kicked me out, and I had a detention for it. I'm like, I'm bleeding. I needed a tissue. <laughs> Yesterday, Tom Brady with Hockley. Same thing. He's like, my man, he hit me up high. No, no, I'm calling a flag on you. I am bleeding, sir. What's well, the deal? Yeah, well, and, and again, this is about fragile sensibilities and a look-at-me mindset. He, he threw that flag because how dare anybody, even Tom Brady, curse at me. That's what that was. He didn't like, like being talked to in a manner in which his fragile sensibilities were awakened. Man, get your bitch ass out of here. This is professional football. What are we? I could not believe that happened yesterday. I'm still I'm, I'm enraged by this. Yeah. Think about what these guys go through to play the game. Yeah. Think about that. It ain't Ed Hockley on the treadmill. Uh, my man, these guys are out here shooting their body up with God knows what so they can play another down, another week, mm -hmm. another quarter. And and this is what you're worried about? Yeah, the um, both calls were drive killers too because we, uh, it's second and long or third and long for the Rams on the uh, on the yeah. Sioux call. You know, we had blown yeah. the play up. It looked like momentum was kind of in our favor there. And then it's a drive killer. We're, we're going deep into the Rams' territory on the Brady call. It's just, yeah, th those were two important calls that might have added up to an extra four points, you know. For a yeah, field you don't versus... know. I mean, late in the game, I kept thinking about those calls. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, I was like, once we got back in it, well, and, and again, the Rams are the better team. I do believe that. But once oh, yeah. the game's tied, yeah. But once the game's tied, Tom, you're sitting there looking at it going, dude, Yeah. <laughs> all those calls in the first half, if it wasn't so comprehensively Rams-centric for the first three quarters, I, I would have been more angry about that in retrospect. But, I mean, like the last gift we got besides the fumbles, who the hell leaves a 47-yard field goal short? That guy does. I mean, he hates the – he'll never want to play in Tampa, the building, that is, again. If there's a Super Bowl in Tampa and he's the kicker on one of the teams, I'd consider cutting him. You don't want Matt Gay <laughs> kicking in Tampa. It's ridiculous. 47 yards. I'm like, there's the game. Game's over. And it's online. You're like, F. It's good. And then you see the guy go, no, 47. There's no gale force wind on earth that you could come up short as an NFL kicker on a 47-yard field goal. But that those are the things where it makes it makes me actually calm down a little bit because all of the, of the BS that had to transpire for us to even be in the game late and then we, we still blow it. But it, it really, a lot of dominoes had to fall for us to be tied late in that game. It was ridiculous. So I, I do wonder – I think it's interesting. We, we talked about the coaching staff and we started this podcast noting that all the metrics said, don't blitz Stafford. This was a pregame talking point from all the sites that cover the Bucks. It was something that we talked about on the Scuttlebucks. It's something that they talked about on the television coverage. So this is a known thing. Like the numbers were unbelievable. I think he had zero interceptions, 14 touchdowns. He had thrown for over a thousand yards. He completed more than 70% of his passes uh, against teams that blitzed him. So it was a really cool thing to kind of go into the game knowing you can't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> and then we did. And so I'm 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 wondering, by the way. Define no. Define the word no. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's on and then by the way, Tom, the, the Bucks had two sacks in the game, neither were on a blitz. And so we're late in a game, and when you've blitzed in said game, despite overwhelming evidence not to. You have not gotten home. You have not produced a sack. You've not produced anything of uh, any positive measure. Uh, if anything, you have once again further illustrated how good Matthew Stafford is against the Blitz. So now you have not only the anecdotal evidence, you, you have the statistical evidence, you have everything you could possibly need to tell you not to do it. And with the game on the line, you go, you ratchet it up one more. Yeah. You're like, you know, not only are we going to blitz, we're going with six. We're go, we're coming, we're coming for you. Oh, and you want to put your, you want to put a safety in man on Cooper Cup? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I guess, I guess what I'm getting at, without beating around the bush, this was not a good year for Todd Bowles, and that was a terrible game for Todd Bowles. And I just don't know how much the Bucks fans are going to feel good about Todd Bowles going into the next season. Just yeah, it's, well, it's, it's in his DNA uh, when he was hired and they put the super staff together, you know, and uh, we were happy on the day he was hired. And Todd did great work with this secondary to take it from ass to really good in uh, two seasons ago. So the, there, there is good to his resume. But, you know, Bruce said the only time I'm going to pop over on the headset to talk to him is to tell him to blitz more because Bruce loves it too. So this is a loss based upon our philosophy, our DNA, and even though there's overwhelming evidence in our faces about what not to do, our DNA and our instinct took over in that moment, and that's what sucks. You live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. It's just you would think and hope that in that situation where you're going to go to overtime because they don't have timeouts, you're go this game's going to overtime, and they're puking all over themselves, and the pressure's all on them, you call. You find a way. You find a way to to get out of that situation with a loss, and that's to me, it's a fireable offense. But Bruce won't do it, so that's where we are. One one good thing, um, and again, I want to reiterate: this looked like it was going to be a bloodshed uh, moment, like just watching a beatdown in which we have people calling for Tom Brady's uh, in retirement and everything else. But of course, the fourth quarter happens, and. Some of the numbers centering around this game and Tom Brady and his career, he's led a postseason fourth quarter comeback nine times entering the day, four more than Joe Montana, who's the next closest on that list, by the way. Uh, this would have been his 10th. Uh, and think about it, with 356 on the clock, down 14 with no timeouts left. That's that's where this happens. 356, down 14, no timeouts, 77 yards in three plays. That's the Evans bomb over Jalen Ramsey, 55 yards of get you some. 27 to 20. Then Indomitian Sue forces that fumble, by the way. That's not lucky. That's a big, strong man hitting straight football on Cam Akers. And you get the – listen, you get the recovery by Levante David. Who else? And we get the ball again, and then you got the fourth down run uh, from, from Lenny, which is a great move Woo! to pop outside. Boy, when yeah. they snap that football, I'm like, shoot, what are we doing? I thought I, that's a sneak all the way, but that you know, Jensen's injury probably has something to do with that call. But the moment that they turn around, they're going to hand it off. I go, oh, my God. And it's a one-on-one -on -one in the hole. Make or miss play. And he bounces. And he bounces. That was – that's a play. Woo. So it's so at that moment, in that moment, the Bucks had scored 24 unanswered. Now, of course, they are to be answered. But 24 in the moment when it happens. And and given the score when it started, it is stunning. It was 27-3 to when it started. 
Yeah. Not unlike 28 to three, which we all remember. And I was thinking, are you kidding? I mean, that there's no quarterback on earth. And I understand a lot of things had to happen, but they just seem to happen when that guy's involved in a game. It's nuts. Uh, that is until Matthew Stafford connects with Cup, two passes, 64 yards. Two to Cup, 64 yards. The one guy on the field that you cannot leave wide the hell open, and somehow it happens. I know we keep returning to that, but it is just maddening. Um, I'll be interested to see the personnel moves. A lot of tough decisions in that secondary, Tom. A lot of tough decisions. Uh, I, I've already told you, I think, you know, you got to tell Brait goodbye. You got to tell OJ Howard goodbye. You got to tell um, JPP goodbye. You got to, we'll see what happens if Sue decides to retire. He is a productive player, however. Um, that, that, that's, it's fascinating. I, I don't know what they do at, at, in the secondary, but there aren't too many guys um, that had a good year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and Rojo's gone, obviously. Uh, you would like oh, to yeah. see him have a little bit more of a say on how his time with the Bucks ended, but the injury was the injury, and that's it. Um, yeah, I think that offense is going to have at least three to four new skill position players on it, you know, across the, the different segment groups, at least. Defensively speaking, yeah, I don't know. What what do you attack? Let's just say I, – I forget what pick we have, but let's just say we're pick 27. I, I know that it was finalized last night. But um, if we have pick 27, where do you go? You go linebacker? Because I think you need some help there. Edge rusher, do you really want to take another one? I mean, that's an interesting decision. What is the biggest need, I guess, is the way of asking that question. What is the biggest need in this offseason for uh, an influx of? Is it receiver talent, oddly enough? Like, what? where would you go? It's tough. First of all, you have to decide what you're doing with Godwin. If you're bringing him back, then you're not drafting a receiver here. Um, not, not, not with that pick. Uh, I actually, I'll, I'll do you one better. I think you could look at an offensive lineman again as well. Um, Smith is not very good. Um, and you do realize that you, you want illustrations of how thin they are behind the starting five. Well, you got it. <laughs> You, you got to see what happens. Uh, if anybody goes down, you're in big trouble. Yeah, they, there was one interesting thing. So as I was driving back up from the Bay Area to, uh, to get home to Tallahassee, I got here 15 minutes before the kickoff. I say all that because I was listening to the pregame radio broadcast. And there was a long segment uh, around the bottom of the hour, 2.30, where it's TJ Reeves and Dave Moore going through all the keys to the game. Some of it is cliched nonsense, but what was interesting was they were talking about the starting five in the offensive line and how at that point Werfs had been declared out and that in practice they really liked the grouping better with Kappa at right tackle and um, Stinney, I forget, I forget who else would be mm. playing right guard, but no Wells. So Wells would not be in the equation Kappa at right tackle. And they talk about that for several minutes as though that's the move that they feel comfortable with. And then they're watching line rushes pregame and they go, oh, Kappa's back at right guard. So what's interesting is behind the scenes, I wonder if there was some debate about the right side of that offensive line. But either way, Kappa's not great. We learned that this year. that He may be fairly durable. He's not great, so you got a hole there. Donovan, uh, I forget what his contract situation is, but if you can get out of it, I'd get out of it right now. So, yeah, you've got at least two starting jobs open on the offensive line. And you're right, lineman six or seven ain't good either. So maybe that's also something if, that if Brady returns – he can go call an old friend or, you know, make the make it happen where you get a, a top reserve that can play guard or tackle because you do need to get a hell of a lot better there, especially if our offense is only going to leave five in to protect so often. Well, 
you you know you brought something up earlier in the podcast to to piggyback on what you talked about with that Cleveland game at the time that we wouldn't help uh, and Jameis was getting rushed and and crushed and and you know we wouldn't keep in extra protection. Do you remember after that game? I think it's after that game that basically Bruce hates doing that because he says it you know gives them one less receiver in the route and he just doesn't believe you can win that way. So he's only cemented that belief in his time here. I mean he. Come hell or high water and overwhelming evidence, my man is not going to leave extra in to protect. I will say he left Gronk in more in this game, which really does hurt us because you know, he can't go out in routes at that point. So he did stay in a little bit more. Gronk did. But, you know, yeah. yes, we weren't in max protect as often as we could have been. Uh, I would also – I would say truly that, that, that I would look for an upgrade on the offensive line. I would look for uh, – I'm with you on this at linebacker. I think you got to have greater depth of linebacker position. Um and then, of course, I think you can draft somebody in the secondary. So this is going to be a matter of need. It's going to be a matter of uh, availability. Um, I'm always in favor of and have been for a long time. And, of course, free agency helps dictate some of this. But I'm always in favor of drafting good, young offensive linemen. It's a position of wear and tear and brutal physicality. And we've been fortunate up until we weren't. You know, we really have been fortunate. Worf's, uh, it's duly noted that that starting five basically played together the entirety of Tom Brady's time here in, in Tampa until these last couple of weeks. And once it once it got hit by the injury bug, you saw just how fragile this whole thing really is. So, you know, if, if everything's equal and all the guys you wanted from the skill positions are gone at the time, I, I would just – I'd lean towards offensive line. It's never a bad pick. And, and the way that this game, this league is is comprised, uh, the San Francisco example notwithstanding this weekend, you know, it's the unstoppable offense that puts a lot of pressure on a game and changes the way that the game is played. Um, that's just the way the league is constructed now. Sometimes weather gets in the way of it, but I'd rather have a team that goes down scoring 35 than a team that goes down scoring 10 or 17. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, Light's philosophy has always been the best player on the board, and that's the correct way to draft. Best player on the board, if it matches a need, great. If it doesn't, we'll figure it out. Um, but that's, you know, the good thing about being a Bucks fan is you pick in the high 20s at least these days, so uh, the scouting will have to be on point. But it, the roster shuffling is now the most interesting piece because if Brady comes back, I think Gronk is most certainly going to come back and play. He hasn't lost a step. It's amazing how young he's looked. Given the way his first four games went or three games went last season, he's been a revelation for us. Um, and then is there going to be a coordinator change? Is somebody hired away? Uh, I know that Byron has been in a lot of interviews, and, and so is Todd Bowles. Does somebody take Todd Bowles off our hands? And if so, do we stick with the always blitz mentality? you got philosophy changes coming, you've got personnel changes coming, and you just hope that 12 is around because he certainly has the ability to play another year or two at minimum. I think if he comes back for next year, it's not the swan song. I think if he comes back, he's got at least two more seasons in him. Uh, oh, wow. Let, yeah, let's just hope that they're in Tampa. At that point, you're going to play for 50, I think. If you're going to play to 45, why not try to play till 50? If you're still no. good enough to do it, go get it done. As somebody who's lived the years of 45 to 50, Tom, I got to tell you, it's a game changer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, my left knee hurts now. I don't know that, my man. Uh, and I am 50 on the nose, and it is a game changer. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But, hey, I want him around at least another year. That's for sure. Uh, this has been fun, and it's been enjoyable to do the Scuttlebucks. We could probably prattle on about the Bucks, their needs, and uh, some of the misgivings and some of the celebrations and everything in between uh, if we wanted to. But uh, for now, I think we should probably put a ribbon on it. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. As always, I appreciate working with you, my brother. And uh, I appreciate all the people out there who listen to this podcast. We enjoy doing it, and um, we appreciate those of you who listen to it and share it. 
uh, and allow others to find it as well. I heard from a lot of people this year who, in fact, uh, had just heard this Scuttlebucks podcast for the first time. So uh, thanks for all of you guys uh, helping us out with that. And thanks to Joe Bucks fan, uh, and thanks to Bill Curry Ford. Uh, until next year, go Bucks, and we'll talk again down the line. Be good, everybody.